because he was neglectful of the mitzvah, of the mitzvah of waging war against Amalek, and he appointed somebody else to do it instead of him, meaning Yeshua, that's why his hands felt heavy. The Pirush Bezeba Pashtas is, what is Rashi trying to say? The simple meaning of the Rashi is, Rashi is Eisen Sumaz because Rashi is trying to explain even though from the way the words in the Pasuk appear and Moshe's hands were heavy which means not were heavy but are heavy Moshe's hands it seems like it was an ongoing thing you know because of his because of his age and so he had difficulty not just that time but it was just a situation he had difficulty keeping his hands up in the air and not that it was a one time thing so Rashi so therefore Rashi explains that this is nicht as I, that it doesn't mean that but that it happened only then because of a reason there was a reason why then his hands were heavy which is because he was neglectful of the mitzvah that's why his hands became heavy for that event but we have to understand in back in where it talks about when Moshe was traveling from Midian to Mitzrayim and they slept over in a, an inn and he wanted to kill. There was a, they met a, a malach or whatever, and they want he tried to kill Moshe, and it was because he didn't uh, the his sons did not have the brises. Is Rashi Mefaris? Rashi explains that he wanted to kill Moshe. because he hadn't given a bris to Eliezer his son, the the younger son Balshinus Rashi, and because he was procrastinated because he procrastinated that's why he was punished with the he wanted to kill him he tried to kill him but then he continues and says Rabbi Yaisi said we learned in Abraissa that Rabbi Yaisi said God forbid that we should say that Moshe was procrastinating rather he had a reason why he didn't give the bris because you have to, if you give him a bris, then he has to, you have to give him time to heal before you can travel. And Hashem told me to go, so therefore he decided not to do it before he left. So that's the Rashi. And since Rashi doesn't say about the second um, explanation that that is more like a medrash, something like or something similar. In other words, that this is not literally the simple understanding of the Psukim. Is verstanding, therefore it's understood as Oich al Pipsudish Lomikra Monsich Noch Apirus to Avarinas Hazusholm Lainus Rashul. It becomes obvious that Rashi is uncomfortable, even in Pshutish Lomikra, to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was 
procrastinating and therefore goes on to give another explanation which is not even a medrash he f- considers it to be the simple understanding of the puzzle because how could you say that Moshe Rabbeinu was neglectful how could you say that he was procrastinating and therefore he must have another answer even in Shudosh Mikra. So then why here does Rashi say in, simply as Nisatzel B'mitzvah that Moshe was neglectful of the mitzvah and that's why he was punished that his hands became heavy he wasn't able to keep them up in prayer and he doesn't even bring another interpretation another way of looking at it where over there it's obvious to Rashi that there has to be another way of looking at it another shot that would explain in another way not to have to resort to the explanation that Moshe Rabbeinu was neglectful of the mitzvah he doesn't find it, he doesn't say another shot he leaves it at that Nochmer even more the question becomes even greater even according to the first explanation of Rashi over there is Nishmuv and we have to understand and it's talking about the story where he was punished for procrastinating about the bris. So according to that first explanation, since according to that explanation, Moshe was procrastinating, and that's why he was punished, he was almost killed for it. Is the therefore would be obvious as from then on that from then and at least from then on after he already learned his lesson, is Moshe given Zoyer, Moshe would have been very careful, as by that he wouldn't be procrastinating or neglectful of a mitzvah. And how could Rashi go forward and simply accept that Moshe Rabbeinu was yet again neglectful of a mitzvah? When he already learned his lesson, almost got killed for it, so he would do the same thing again. In the Medrashim, there are different reasons given why Moshe's hands became heavy. One is in Targum Yonason, the reason was because he delayed the war, to, uh, responding to the war against Amalek, till tomorrow. As the Pasuk says, tomorrow he went out, he sent Yeshua. And he didn't make sure to get it done the, same, the very same day. Another reason is, that the reason that Moshe's hands were heavy is, it was because of the sins of the Jewish people, not his own sin. But they said, is Hashem amongst us? They made such a declaration, which is in the Psukim over there. And it's for that reason that Moshe's hands became heavy. So we can understand why Rashi doesn't bring the first reason that we just said, at least as a second uh, explanation. Is moving that can be understood well. Avopia's betoichni is this vidatam was Rashi zog bepiroshay. That even though essentially it's the same reason it, it talks about Moshe Rabbeinu not being, not being on top of the job he'd waited till tomorrow what's the difference if he waited till tomorrow he pointed somebody else instead of him they are essentially the same reason 
However, the Tam is Nish Mistaber in Pshudus Mikra, but that reason doesn't really flow with the Pshudus Mikra. As Mitzad Atzlos Hatzir does, Hatzir the Zach Nish Gitam Bizmachar. To say that Moshe Rabbeinu was so procrastinated or so neglectful that he decided, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. Manana. That just doesn't, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu really, tomorrow. So even though they're essentially the same, pointing to a fault of Moshe, but this is a much bigger fault to say that he decided to wait till tomorrow. So we understand why Rashi wouldn't uh, use that explanation. But we have to understand. Why doesn't Rashi say, at, at least as a secondary reason, uh, or maybe even as the primary reason, that it was really because of the sins of the Jewish people? Was them is Nishnusatzulmosha, and then he wouldn't have to resort to saying that it was Moshe Rabbeinu's neglectfulness. Especially in this case, that the fact that the Jewish people sinned by saying is not something new that Rashi has to introduce here. Rashi already brought that up earlier. In fact, Rashi attributes the entire reason why the Amalek, Amalek attacked was because the, the reason is, says Rashi, because the Yidin said, is Hashem amongst us? Hashem said, am I amongst you? I'll show you if I've been protecting you. Is the Khmer Masim Tzulern, and therefore would be more fitting to, to explain, at least as a secondary explanation, as we say, Moshe Kvedin, that the reason Moshe's hands became heavy is Tzlib Avinusem Shalisro was because of the sins of the Jewish people. At least we have another explanation. For Zvegdem Hotshein the Torah that said, and the Torah already told us that the Yidden said Hayesh Hashem bekibenu. Eidet Tzumaisa Zainadosis Tzlib Dem Vasensatzul Bameisha. It's much more preferable than to have to come up with a new explanation. That why were Moshe's hands heavy? Because he was neglectful. Why does Rashi have to bring that in? He has a perfectly good explanation, which he already introduced earlier. Gimel, the Shverakite and Pirush Rashi, that this difficulty in this Rashi, as Nisatzel Moshe Vemitzvah Mona Achatachta Vetnogresa, this explanation that Moshe Rabbeinu was neglectful and appointed somebody else becomes even more pronounced. In Parsha Pinchas, Further in Parsha Pinchas, Evdem was Moshe Gebetem Ebishen Yifka Hashem Ishal Eida Hashem Moshe Rabbeinu was asking that when he's gone, Hashem should appoint somebody over the people, Asher Yitzelifneim that should uh, go out before them, should lead them, and so on. He was looking for a leader. Hashem should replace him with a, a good leader. Is Rashi Mefarish? Rashi explains what he says that should go out before them. He says like this, Not a leader like the kings of the other nations, that they themselves sit back at home. But they send their soldiers into the war. They sit comfortably at home, they send their soldiers out to the war. That's not the kind of leader I'm looking for. I'm looking for a leader that should do what I did, which is, that I myself engaged with Sichem Ve'oig in the war against them. I didn't sit at home. I was in the, in the war myself. 
That's how Rashi explains that he was asking for somebody that will go out before them, in other words, that will lead them by being there, by being present. Thus haste, in other words, as by motion is given clear, that Tamesha was clear and simple and obvious, as an Ishala that the leader of the people, Tafalena Rizgilamukhama, has to himself go out to the war. Not appoint somebody else. And Nochmer, even more, Moshe brings us as Beispiel and them sein Egena Nogel In fact, Moshe Rabbein appoints to himself as he, like I do, like I go out to the war myself. As I myself did, that I engaged with Sichem Ve'eg. Chaj does his given Besayf Yamav. And even though that war with Sichem Ve'eg was all the way at the end of the 40 years in the desert, which means towards the end of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. Is the tamua, so that brings the, the, makes the question even more pronounced. Vi kumtas vazayindig that ishalaid. How could it be that he was the leader of the people? Umitarum fertzigyar inger, and he was then forty years younger than he was there by sichem because Amalek was right at the beginning of the forty years in the desert, right as they came out of Mitzrayim. So he was forty years younger. By Mulchanus Amalek is nesatzul Moshe. So how could it be over here? When he's only 80 years old, he was neglectful and he sent Yeshua instead of him. Even though he knows and he's, he, he's the one that points out that the leader is the one that leads them into the war. So how is it that 40 years early, earlier he sent Yeshua instead of going himself? Although when he was 120, 40 years later, he himself went out to the war. Is from them So from this in itself, it becomes clear as the inyufunis atzul by Melchamas Amalek that this idea that Moshe was neglectful by the Melchama against Amalek is nishkan stira the two does not in any way contradict vasan It doesn't in any way contradict that the leader is supposed to go at the head of the war. That's Moshe Rabbeinu knows that and he's on board with that and he did it himself at the other war. But over here, for some reason, it doesn't, it's not any, in any way contradictory to that principle. And the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu himself did that later in life. So, of course, we have to understand what is it about Mulchemes Amolik that Moshe felt that he, doesn't, that he should not go out to the war. So we'll understand that by first focusing on the wording in Lashem from Pirish Rashi Da, in the way Rashi explains it here. What are the words that Rashi uses? Where he makes slight changes to the way he words it in back in Shmois that we talked about that earlier Rashi. Number one, one change is Dordzog Rashi Shinis Rashal. Over there, Rashi uses the word that he was. He procrastinated. Da shenis atzul. Over here he uses that he was neglectful, lazy. I don't know, neglectful. Number two, another change. In in he says that he he just says simply he was neglectful. But pirusha da shenis atzul b'mitzvah. Here he says he was neglectful, or over there procrastinating. Here he was neglectful of the mitzvah. He adds the word of the mitzvah. So what is the difference between these two changes that Rashi makes? The Chilut Sushan Rashlonus and Atzlonus is what is the difference between procrastination and neglectfulness? Rashlonus made Algemena Abgelazenkeit. 
Rashlanus, which means, which I'm translating as procrastination, is a general sense of a person's attitude. A person procrastinates, you delay for later, you, you, you don't do it, you're not on top of things. That causes you to delay doing things, whatever you're supposed to do. Atzlonus is a folkai benegeya a protes de Atzlonus, which means neglectfulness, pertains to a specific, I'm supposed to do this thing, I was neglectful of doing that thing. It doesn't necessarily describe a general sense and attitude. Ton, whether it's about doing something, or I was neglectful of going somewhere, or like is common to most of us, we, you know, we're too lazy to get out of bed, so it pertains to a specific thing. Therefore, because we're neglectful of this particular thing that we're supposed to be doing, therefore, we, we don't have the, uh, en- the, the uh, alacrity to do it the way it should be done immediately and with energy and so on. So in a general sense, it means Rashlanus talks about a general sense of, of procrastination. Atzlanus talks about a specific thing, this particular thing. In our case, he says, by It wasn't that Moshe Rabbeinu was neglectful of just for no reason, nor that he was neglectful of this mitzvah. That he was in this particular case, in this, in the context of this mitzvah that Hashem gave him, the war with Amalek, he was neglectful. In other words, in this context, that would be considered neglectfulness. That's what Rashi means to say. As will now be explained, what he means to say. Hey, the beer bazet to explain it. The sibavas Moshe is nishgiven in the Mulchama, gigangin in the Mulchama. The reason that Moshe himself did not enter into the war is la pipshudoshal mikra based in according to the simple understanding is nishgiven an inyafin rashlonus adarafil atzal chadoshalom was not in any way procrastination or not even neglectful of this particular thing. He felt that it was not appropriate for him to go out to the war. Because he's Ben Shmainim Shana, he is an 80 year old man. Therefore, he said, What am I doing in the war? I'm 80 years old. What am I doing in the war? Now, why did this, why is it an issue here? Even more, Game Bereish from the Anshitzava. Not only to go to the war, but I should be leading the war. I should be leading the army and to conduct, to lead the war is masim dem gil That's something more fitting for the people that are in the age of what's called the people that are. You know, what's the age of going to war? The Torah says it. is does from which according to the Torah is from the age of twenty to the age of sixty. Moshe Rabbeinu is already 20 years older than that so he said, well, I should be going out to the war I should be leading the war he didn't feel it was right even though we, we know that during that time this was immediately after Yitzhiyus Mitzrayim 
And we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that caused all of these, the makis and all the things that were happening, the great miracles that happened. He was the one that was leading them. Which many of them required power and strength. For instance, to, to bring forth water, he had to break open the rock. That takes immense power to be able to hit a, a rock with a stick and split it open. And even more, in the Mulchama Mitzichavaig, even 40 years later in the war with Sichavaig, Moshe Rabbeinu himself was the one that leading the war, as he says. And he displayed at that time, as Rashi says, the things that he did with Sichem Oig. He himself killed the giant Sichem uh, and Oig. And he displayed incredible strength at that time. And that was already 40 years later when he was close to 120 years old. So why didn't he feel that over here, when he's only 8 years old, he shouldn't be leading the war? But over here, it's a completely different situation. Why? The way Hashem conducted himself with the Yidin up until this moment of the war against Amalek was in a supernatural way. Nor, nor it was not in a natural way, it was in a miraculous way. Beginning with all the miracles of Mitzrayim, Mitzias Mitzrayim, the very events of going out of Mitzrayim, which were also miraculous, and Kriyas Yamsuf, the splitting of the of Yamsuf, all these things were miraculous things. And then was the the coming of the man and the the bird, the, the birds that came, they ate meat. All of them happened in a very miraculous way, in a Shemayim. They simply came down from heaven in a miraculous way. And there was enough to feed all the Jewish people, the man and the slob. So everything that Hashem did up until then, up until Amalek, was all supernatural, miraculous. When the Yidin came to Refidim, where the Yidin expressed that sentiment, that we said before, is Hashem really amongst us or not? They were complaining. So then, because of that, as a response to that, Hashem stopped conducting Himself in this super miraculous way. But rather, as Rashi says at the beginning of the story of Amalek here, the reason he juxtaposes the two uh, parshas to this uh, to this pasuk, their sentiment is Hashem amongst them, and then it goes immediately into a war of Amalek. Why does he juxtapose the two? Loimar to tell you to teach you that I am always with you. And I'm always available for everything that you need. And then after that, you say, Is Hashem with us? I'm always there. I do everything that you need in all, the, all these miraculous ways. What do you mean, am I with you? 
Chayechem, as Shem uttered an oath, that this, the dog will come and bite you. Will be the Loshan and Moshal, and Rashi gives a Moshal over there, which I'll say in a minute. Was Rashi that he threw him off his shoulders. Rashi says the Moshal of a father that was carrying his child, and they're walking for miles, and uh, there were all kinds of things, and the father was protecting him, and then somebody meets them and he says, "Where's your?" Says to the child, "Where's your father?" And the child says, "I don't know. I haven't seen him. I don't know where he is. He's sitting on his shoulders, but he doesn't see him." So the father says you don't see me, I'm carrying you, I saved you from this, I saved you from that, and he threw him off his shoulder so that they would know that yes, I am there for you, or I was there for you. So this is the nimshal is, that Hashem was, took them out of Mitzrayim, all these makas, all these miracles, and then they, they expressed this, and I said, I'll show you, he threw them off, in other words, he's not going to show the miracles now, and, and that's why a Amalek was able to attack haste, which means the reason why the entire war of Amalek happened is because the Hashem turned away from the Yidden he concealed himself from the Yidden and that's why it became open season Amalek was able to attack them and since the Jews were then in a situation not as they had been before but rather, from Hester Ponim, a place at a time when Hashem turned his face away, on the opposite of miraculous uh, conduct with them. Therefore, it was necessary, Moshe felt, as Behesem Lozed, and in accordance with the new situation that they're in, Moshe Rabbeinu thought, this is now that we're not expecting miracles in the way, in the normal way we need to think of it in more in, in a natural setting so we have to conduct the war the way it would be conducted naturally as by the Yitzitzavah that by when we choose an army we have to choose an army we have to find the right people for it certainly the people leading the, the assault for sure have to be the chosen and the strongest and so on which includes also people that are in the age of strength between the ages of 20 and 60 and not as Moshe Rabbeinu was at the age of 80 at that time as, uh, as in, but however in the war with Sichem Vaik where the, the, uh, that war was conducted in a supernatural way said, self said stated explicitly to Moshe do not be afraid of him because I have placed him into your hands I've given him into your hands you're going to conquer him there's nothing to worry about there's Kolamai him and his whole uh, his whole nation, this Arce and his land, you will conquer. You shall do to him. You shall do to him the same thing as you did to Sichem Melchamer. In other words, Hashem assured him everything. I'm going to take care of everything for you. So that was a different time. Over there, Moshe Rabbeinu does. We're not relying on the strength of the warriors. We're relying on the strength of Hashem, the miracles that He's going to show. In a Muhammad in a in a miracle in which Hashem says, I have already given him into your hands, it's not important what the natural what what is expected naturally, you have to have strong people, uh, young people, that's not important. 
Vav Zayis Vaid. This and and in, in addition to that, Dosos Moshe had zich nish mishtatig when in the Mochama by Amalek. The reason that Moshe Rabbeinu did not participate in the actual war with Amalek is nish blaze given an inyan from Heder Shlila. Was not just I shouldn't be there. It wasn't just that. Vibal das is given a Mochama gefeir loyd gideriat ever since this was going to be a war that has to be run according to the natural. Order darf zi gefird venen durch Yeshua. Therefore, it should be run through Yeshua, because he's the young man and he's the the, the warrior and so on. And er Moshe Rabbeinu, it's not just that Moshe Rabbeinu shouldn't be there, but Moshe Rabbeinu had something else that he needed to do for this particular war. Er Moshe darf so it's not just that Moshe is not supposed to go to the war, nor in them is oich given and in but there was another thing that Moshe Rabbeinu had to accomplish, which is why he couldn't go to the war. In a mochamah v'asfirzer b'derech ha'teva, further is the tzvei When you're conducting a war in a natural way, there are two things which are required. Number one is the eshtadus v'pulativis, the natural thing, the things you do in order to war, or win a war naturally, in and fit in the Muhammad, the way you conduct the war, and thus is which is of course that you choose the, the strongest and the mightiest and so on to conduct the war, to give them the strong ones. The other thing that you need to do is the you have to evoke Hashem's help for the war. Because it's understood, even under, simply understood, that even if you're doing things in a natural way, you still need Hashem's help, of course. So based on this, we can understand what Rashi touched why Rashi over here, when Moshe Rabbeinu told Yeshua, choose people, he, Rashi says that he meant strong people, and God-fearing people should so that their their merits of their Yerushalayim should be should help them in the war. Even though the Mechilta, the Medish, which quotes this, says this, makes it as two separate explanations of the word Anoshim. Anoshim means people of stature. So Rashi lumps them together. People of stature means strong people and God-fearing people. They have both these types of stature. But the Mechilta has it as two separate um, opinions. One says Anoshim means strong people. The other one says people of Yerushalayim. But Rashi makes it as one. In other words, that both these things are important components of this war. Because in this war, says both of these things were essential to the war. That they should be strong, physically strong people, in order to conduct the war in its physical sense, and but they also have to be God-fearing people, because they need Hashem's help. So in other words, Rashi understands in that for this war because it's not going to be a miraculous war we need two things we need physically strong people and people and Hashem's help we need, do, we need to do things to bring Hashem's help to the war and these two things needed to be in this uh, war 
with Amalek, number one, Gvura Gashmis, and Kayach Tivi, physical strength, which means natural strength, and which means you have to choose soldiers which are young and strong, um, and in the age of, of maximum strength, which should be led by Yeshua, because he's too old for this, and then there was a second thing at Fila, you have to have someone that should pray for the Jewish people if them of the maze of Israel you have to daven for Hashem's help. I is that the Yidin should be successful in this physical war that they're conducting. When in them is moving of course who is the candidate that you would choose to pray to Hashem? Of course Moshe Rabbeinu was the one to do that. So in other words, the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't go to the war was not only because he's the wrong person for the war, but also because he has to be the one to do the prayers. And that's what Moshe said to Yeshua, choose for us people. What do you mean us? If Yeshua is going to be running the war, so how does Moshe get involved? What do you mean us? And he immediately says, You go to war, and I tomorrow I will stand on the top of the mountain, and the, the staff of Hashem, the miraculous staff, will be in my hand, and I will be praying for you. In other words, it's a, it's a joint effort between Yeshua running the physical war and the Moshe Rabbeinu running the spiritual war. So, what he was, Bavar and Sarashi, what he was saying. On Madgish, he was emphasizing even Beit in both elements of the war. that are necessary for this war. So in the Muhammad First of all, you have to run the actual war, the battle. But Yeshua for this. He chose Yeshua as the right person. Say Go out and wage war against the Malik and And then there is also davening to Hashem, which Moshe Rabbein took upon himself. That's my contribution to the war. I will stand at the top of the mountain. Hashem's miraculous staff in my hand. is a given and Moshe Rabbeinu standing on the top of the mountain is a given Shor Betainis. He was fasting. As as Rashi explains, the fact that it was Moshe together with Aaron and Chur, three of them together, from here we learn that in a fast day, in a public fast, three people need to be at the Omer to be davening, leading the davening. And we learn this from here because Moshe, Aaron, and Chur were all fasting. So we see that they were fasting, and he was in faith with his hands, meaning to say that he was praying in faith to Hashem. They were spread out to the heavens in daven, in prayer, in davening. So when we talk about Moshe Rabbeinu being on a mountain, it's not just standing up on a mountain and watching, it was davening, fasting, and so on. In the from so this adds another element to the thought of Moshe not to go out to the war that he shouldn't be the one leading the war because number one he's fasting and therefore once again more weakened and therefore should he really be the one to be going to the war and number two 
since he was at the top of the mountain and he's holding the staff, the miraculous, the miraculous staff, and he's has his hands stretched upward. The Yidin were able to look up to the mountain and see him. And by that they were energized and strengthened in the Muhammad that they will be able to in their war efforts. So therefore he's playing a very essential role in the war. And it's not just that he's not going to the war, it's also that he has another important role to play in the war. So Moshe had good reason why he didn't um, join the war effort in the physical sense. Zayin, Avopi has Moshe's nishkigangim Muhammad Farvas Azayd Darv Zayin, the Anhogafen Der Muhammad. So even though it's true that Moshe didn't go to the war because that's how it should have happened, that's what needed to happen in this particular war, from Desvegn is Nisyakru Yodov, still his hands became heavy. Rashi Zogdam Tam, and Rashi says the reason is because Bishvil Shah because he <coughs> was neglectful of this mitzvah and he appointed somebody instead. What does it mean? Since we're talking about Hashem, a command that he got from Hashem. If Hashem tells him to do something, he shouldn't have made all these calculations. Not but it should have gone ahead and waged war against Amalek. All, but what about the fact that he has to be the one to lead the tefillahs to davening? Well, Moshe is there was Moshe is the best person for that job. So he, what he could have done, one option would have been that he could have taken that uh, the miraculous staff that he had, the godly staff, to take it with him to the war, to take it to the battlefield, and do his uh, davening there. But it would be a shorter davening, not that he would spend the whole day davening, but it would be a short davening. In fact, we learned earlier by the splitting of the Yamsuf, as Bishas in Zera when the Yidin were in a tight spot. The Mitzrim Zanigavenlachereyem, the Mitzrim were behind him, close behind them, when the Yamlifnaim and the sea is blocking their path to go forward. When Moshe began to daven to Hashem, so that Hashem said, What are you doing? What are you what are you davening to me? Tell them to go and travel forward. In other words, Hashem rejected his prayer at that time that he shouldn't be spending time in davening. As Rashi says, Hashem said This is not the time to dwell, to daven at length. Because the Yidin are in, in trouble. You have to do something. In other words, similarly here, he could have also done the same. On the river, and therefore, all the Moshe had these rational reasons, why he shouldn't be the one to go to the war. And, and these, these calculations were not in order to benefit himself. He was thinking about what's the best method to win this war as is all Zayn Shorebetainis that he, it's the best approach for him would have been to fast 
to daven uh, to daven at the top of the mountain. Kenal Baruch, as we talked about before. And it's not just that he left, you know, he left the battlefield and he went to Daven. He appointed somebody instead of him, somebody to take his place, which means he appointed somebody that was worthy of being his replacement, like a shliach that represents the person that's sending him. Which in any other case, in any other situation, this would be the right thing to do. But still, since over here he had gotten a command from Hashem to go ahead and wage war against the Molik. So, therefore, in this particular situation, it now becomes considered as something that he was neglectful of what he should have been doing. For the situation, that's why Rashi says the mitzvah, because it's a mitzvah, because Hashem commanded him to do it. Normally, this would have been the right decision, but Hashem told you what to do. So, therefore, as a mitzvah, as a command from Hashem, that's considered now for Moshe Rabbeinu to be neglectful. The great mitzvah, he should have been more. Had more alacrity and more, um, you know, gone ahead more forcefully and done done it himself. For this reason, what Hashem, the penalty that he got was commensurate with what he did. As we know, he was sort of heavy in moving forward, he was, he was neglectful, so therefore his hands became heavy. And therefore it became difficult for him to do that which he did resolve to do. What his participation, what he wanted his participation, participation in the war to be, he also had trouble doing. The fact that he wanted to spread his hands upward in davening, that became difficult for him too. That's the midik and eged midik. We can add to this also. The truth is, by Moshe Rabbeinu, it's not possible to say that he made personal calculations of how to go about doing things when he had a command of what to do from Hashem. But in this particular case, the Pasuk doesn't enumerate an actual command from Hashem to Moshe the Utsei Elohim Ba'amolek is what Moshe Rabbeinu said to Yeshua but we don't find in the Pasuk that Hashem said it to him we don't find that it was a direct command to Moshe Rabbeinu from, from Eibosh and from Hashem therefore one might say if there would have been clearly stated from Hashem such a command of course would have followed through immediately but it was not spelled out it's something implied but since there was no direct command from Hashem to Moshe about this nor Moshe Rabbeinu Yisrael Rather, what happened is that Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the shepherd of the Jews, was thus, 
He did it as something which is self-evident that that's what has to be done. When a when goyim attack Yidin, you have to go forward and wage battle with them. So it wasn't even something that Hashem had to tell him to do. It was something that was self-evident, and he went ahead and did it. But he didn't do it by doing it himself. He made those calculations and he told Yeshua to do it as the best option. And one could say that even as things turned out, as a that in uh, what happened was that Amalek was only able to wage war against those who were falling behind. The ones that were not the bulk of the Jewish people were exempt, were protected from Amalek. It was only those that the Torah describes the Jewish people that had fallen out spiritually and therefore they became ejected from the protective cloud that surrounded the Yidin. So that's who the Amalek was able to attack. But Moshe Rabbeinu Gehalten, so Moshe Rabbeinu felt as Mendaf Baal Darizgen Fatedik in the Yidin and he, he felt that they have to be go, they have to be protected immediately. And it doesn't matter what kind of Jews they are even though they were the stragglers and so on. And which was in fact Moshe Rabbeinu's conduct even back in Mitzrayim as that as soon as he grew up he matured and he went out to see his brothers the plight that they were in is Vinor Vayar Ish Mitzri as soon as he saw an Egyptian Maki Ish Ivri Me'echav, he saw Egyptians um, striking a Jewish person, one of his brothers, he didn't consider who is he, is he somebody important, is he somebody uh, uh, pious, is he not pious, he didn't make any of these calculations. immediately killed that Egyptian. So Moshe Rabbein conducted himself in that way. On the river, therefore, since Moshe Rabbeinu did all this, he went ahead with all this just as something self-evident. Not as a fulfillment of Hashem's direct command. Therefore, he assumed that this is, he has to do something rational. He has to do it in a way what the time, what this situation expects, demands yeah, that this situation does not expect his immediately jumping in without thinking and without making his own, calcul- own calculation of what's the best way to go about it because it wasn't a direct command that would have been the right way as Hashem had directly commanded and then he would have left all considerations aside and he would have gone ahead and done it anyway but now it was done under his own initiative so here he thought that the proper thing to do is do it in the most rational way that the situation demands but by Hashem Hashem still considered this to be that he was lacking in the in going ahead with the mitzvah varum 
when Goyim kumim l'chamav mididim, because the very fact that Goyim come and they wage war against the Jewish people is a safil of har matan teira, a mitzvah. It's by definition, even before matan teira, considered a mitzvah. When a mitzvah chigdoil, in fact, one a great mitzvah. To go out uh, to war to protect the Jews. And it has to be done without any calculations and without any uh, considerations. Even though there was no direct command, but Hashem said, Moshe Rabbeinu should understand this is, of course, this is a mitzvah. And therefore, he should have gone ahead with it. So we understand Moshe's position, but we understand why Hashem considered to be considered to be atz, uh, to be this atzel that he didn't wasn't on top of it the way he should have been. Tess from them Pirush Rashi is This Rashi teaches us an incredible lesson in our own avodah. Says Muvan Adosvos Yeder Inin and Pratan Teiris Ayra Nitzchis. It's understood that the fact that every everything in the Torah is a lesson to us. And forever, any time, any place, this is even more so in the matter in the matter of a war against Amalek. Which is expressed in a number of ways. Amongst those ways in which it's expressed. Number one says Atzibim Mefurish. First of all, the Torah clearly states it as something which is eternal. Hashem said to Moshe, write and inscribe this as a, a an eternal memorial me- memory. Write it down. Thus, haste as the Ilyumailufnazakarambiksav. In other words, that he wanted it as it should be not just something that we remember, but that it should be written down, committed to writing. Um, first of all, the fact anything that is written in Torah and anything that's inscribed in the Torah is something which is eternal. So that's true for anything that's written in the Torah. Here, when we're talking about the war of Amalek, it become, this becomes even more pronounced. Because it's written in the Torah that it should be inscribed. So that doubles down on that idea that something that is inscribed, written, becomes eternal. That's true for anything in Torah, but where the Torah says to write it down, that makes it even more so. Another thing, in Dibur Hashem Gufa, Vet Ongezok Mitad Gosha, that even with the way Hashem put it, the words that he used to, that, about the Mohammed with Hashem against Amalek, there is a an emphasis of the Minishal Tmidivanitzhi, the fact that this is an eternal war of Hashem against Amalek, because it says Mulchamal Hashem Bahamalik, the war of Hashem against Amalek is Middur from generation to generation. So the very way it's framed in the Torah is that this has to be a war against Amalek for all time, eternally. These as then Inyanitzhi Shabu in fact, the uh, the eternal nature of this war, is actually part of the mitzvah. Because it's a, a it's one of the positive mitzvahs of the Torah. To remember always the bad behavior of Amalek, the way the Rambam puts it. 
that we have a mitzvah to remember it all forever. It's a mitzvah to mention the story of Amalek every single day, at least according to a number of opinions, and in fact it's one of the sheish it's one of the six things that we say every day in order to bring them to, uh, to mind because we have a mitzvah to remember them at all times. From them is moving, from all this is understood as Nish blows the Teichem from Luchanus Nitzchi, that not only is what we're trying to accomplish with our war against the Malek an eternal matter in our spiritual Aveda, nor Oich der but even the way about which we go about the war, and the way it has to be conducted, this war, is Eira and Nitzchis. That too we have to learn as an eternal lesson. In other words, the fact that we have to have a war against the Molech, obviously that's an eternal war, an eternal mitzvah. But also the details and how things were done in the war against the Molech are also part of that eternal approach to what to do with for a Molech. Well, Nochmer, even more, is this Negeya in the Mzman for Nikas of Mashiach, and this is even more important now in the time shortly before Mashiach. The estate in Targum Yenison, Bepirushai. As it's written in Targum Yenison, he says, in interpretation of the words, there is a war of against Hashem against Amalek from generation to generation. He interprets it this way, as that there are three generations in which the war against Amalek is even more pronounced. And one of those three general generations in which the war against Amalek has to be conducted from Mechias Amalek, of wiping out Amalek, is Doradi, because the Mashiach is the generation of Mashiach, the generation shortly before Mashiach. So in fact, in our day and age, the, um, the war against Amalek, says Targum Yonison, is even more pronounced than any other time. At least, there is two other times also, but for general time. So what is so unique about this? What's the Hira, the incredible Hira that we, know, that we find? and will understand it by first explaining another question in this whole matter why does the Torah tell us this whole thing that Moshe's hands were heavy and he had to be supported by Aram Vachur and the reason is as in Satsal Moshe because Moshe was neglectful of the mitzvah why does the Torah have to tell us all this this is the Chaklau the rule is generally as a the Torah doesn't even talk uh, negatively even about an unclean animal how much more so when it talks about people especially Jewish people even more specifically Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu the Torah finds it necessary to tell us something negative about Moshe Rabbeinu the most outstanding human being of all time the Torah has to tell us something negative about him for what purpose from them Gufa is moving from this in itself that the, the Torah does relate it we understand as Oich Das is Ayran it's just that this too is an eternal lesson for us in the Malchama Ruchnis in our spiritual war against Amalek in every generation the Bir Bazes the explanation what is this lesson Amalek had b'melchamta geken pegez, and not in the Eden by vehemence is given achlishus in the munas Hashem. Who was Amalek able to 
attack only those Jews who had a weakness in their faith in Hashem. Un Kanal, and as we said before, be a state in the Pasuk says, the, the people that he was able to kill, that Amalek was able to attack, was only those who were the stragglers, in other words, the ones that weren't keeping up with their spiritual level. Which means, Virashi Taisht, that what does Rashi, how does Rashi explain the one that explained the words, the ones that were straggling? They were lacking in strength because of their sins. That the the protective cloud would eject them because of their sins. And those are the ones that Amalek was able to attack. Only those people. And only those who were outside the protective cloud. But the Jews that were inside the cloud those people were totally out of reach of Amalek they couldn't even reach them and what does this mean spiritually speaking for all generations what does it mean to us today most if not all Jewish people are within the protective cloud they are part of the Jewish experience. They are there under Hashem's protective um, cloud. In Gvul un inavenik they are within the parameters. In other words, they're considered inside in, in matters of Torah mitzvahs. in general, in general, they connected to Hashem. Of course, not everybody is equal to this. Each person, according to their level, where they are at, but they are within the. They're connected to Hashem in their own way. And their onan mitzvahs and the uh, the cloud, meaning the protective shield of Torah mitzvahs, is megin of Eden protects the Jewish people from all from all foreign influences. Those foreign influences which blow in from outside the air, the place of Kedusha, especially the protected from Amalek was bring Kedirus, which is whose mission it is to cool off uh, a Jewish person. As the Pazik says that they, uh, one of the explanations of the word Karcha is that they cooled you off in Inyane Yadis. They attempt, Amalek attempts to cool off a Jew from Yiddishkeit, instead of being passionate about Yiddishkeit, he says, take it easy, you know, don't get excited. You hear a miracle, ah, not a big, you know, don't get excited. As I know, Eden, there are such Jews, as Mesibah Shainah and that for whatever reason, they're not, they're not inside the cloud. So you say, the Chaim is Leis Atta, their conduct of their life is currently at least is not yet fully in line with the teachings of the Torah and the far can Amalek and for this reason Amalek which is the same numerical value of doubts Amalek is able to affect them and is able to bring questions to them and bring doubts to them in Amuna, whether it's in the faith, Hashem, 
whether in the faith of Hashem's power, whether he is able to do these things as the Yidden asked at the time then, and it cools you, cools them off from matters of holiness. Can the Therefore, it's possible that there should be a Jew who is inside the protective cloud of Torah Mitzvahs inside the cloud. So Tracht Mazich should think to himself, What connection do I have with those Jews who are outside the area of Torah Mitzvahs? And Rechanti figures, as have no connection to me. That's what he's thinking. I can understand, yes, okay, those Jews are within the parameters of Torah mitzvahs, they learn the Torah, they do study Torah and design the kind mitzvahs and they can fulfill the mitzvahs. But they're not perfect, they have things that they could do better and so on. Even a simple person, in the who's on the level as the Torah describes ten levels of hierarchy in the Jewish nation and the woodchoppers and the uh, water carriers they were considered to be on the lowest level in terms of spiritual commitment so this could be a person that is on the very lowest level of their spiritual commitment but they're inside generally they're part of the of the experience of the picture is heinachinami so for those people yes as far so, but, you know, even those people, for me, I am the leader of the Jewish people, or the, of the leaders. So therefore, in his opinion, it would be lowering himself to even have any association with that kind of a Jew, because he's not on his level. And to help him in his situation. But Afal became to the dust. But for those people, listen, they're still part of. They come to the shul. They come to my shul. They're not on my level. You know, they're basic, uh, very lower level people. But I'll help them. That's enough. I that in itself is a lowering of my standards. Because at least those people are in my general vicinity in terms of Yiddishkeit. But what kind of a connection do I have, says he, to somebody that is outside the cloud, the protective cloud of Torah Mitzvah. He has no connection to Torah Mitzvah, God forbid. So what kind of connection do I have to that person? I want nothing to do with that kind of a person. The best that I could do, that I could think to do for him is that when I learn, when I learn Torah, I will have them in mind. My, the uh, the the uh, the merit of my study of Torah or my prayers should also be, uh, you know, fall upon them too. That's the best that I can do. Like Moshe, not that Moshe was thinking this, but it's it's sort of drawing on that fact that Moshe Rabbeinu thought that his place now was to study Torah or to daven and fast. 
but say he lochen, but that I should go out into war. Meaning to say, in this context, I have to leave the walls of my study hall to go out of my shul. I have to go out and search for another Jew in in an area which is outside the parameters of Yiddishkeit. I have to go to places which are devoid of any fear of Hashem that perhaps contrary to the places of fear of Hashem so that, that I should do thinks this leader, Jewish leader never mind if this is a person that whose entire preoccupation in life is the study of Torah as there is a, a standard called Terasim Nasei, Torah is his occupation. At least as much as that's possible in today's day and age. It's nothing compared to what it was in the, the real time when there were Tanoim, you know, there were uh, sages that were truly dedicated to Torah 24 hours a day. But to some degree that's possible even today. So he is, uh, if, if we're talking about a person like that, so his reason for not getting involved with people outside the, the cloud are even more. How could I stop my important study of Torah, which is one in, uh, one in a thousand or one in ten thousand people, and I should go stop that in order to help someone that's totally outside the parameters of Torah mitzvahs? That I should step out to those people that are outside the cloud, in order to protect them from the Amalek of their Amalek, which means that I have, I have to go strengthen their faith, in order to push them further away from a sin, and try to influence them to do another mitzvah. That's a job for me. From this comes the lesson from them, from the from the very first war that the Jewish people had to wage. As soon as they left Mitzrayim, the war of Amalek, and which the lesson is, and the Alam, this gives a lesson in all of the above. When Amalek comes along and, in, and touches, in some way tries to harm a yid a Jew that is outside the, the cloud even if his being ejected from the cloud is his fault the yid, the Jew's fault as we described before because they were ejected because of their own sins the Jews that are inside the cloud have to know they have to step out of the protective cloud of the of the protective cloud in order to protect them the Jew, the Yidin that are inside the cloud have to go out of the protective cloud and they have to go to war in order to protect this Jew that is outside the cloud from his war, his fight, his battle with Amalek. The other Rabbi, and even more. Then 
Wer darf sein Beike, die was darf in der Reise überschützen, die Eden von Amalek? Who are the main people on whom is it really incumbent to go out of the cloud in order to protect those Jews? The Yirechet, it has to be the God-fearing people. Because it's they who have their true power to be able to fight against Amalek. And who is leading the charge is Yeshua himself, who was commanded from Moshe Rabbeinu, choose for us people, people of stature, and go out, where should he go out of? Out of the cloud, that's what he meant. He lochem ba'amalek and do uh, wage war against Amalek. But Yeshua is given la'yom oil. Who was Yeshua? Yeshua, the Torah describes him as one who never moved from Moshe Rabbeinu's tent, never left the tent. Torah which means he was completely dedicated to studying Torah under Moshe. Unerad gedarft amfirin the Muhammad that it was he who was chosen to go out to wage the war. When the Torah is Moshe Nachman, the Torah uh, says even more. As a that even Moshe, who essentially was really conducting the war, he appointed Yeshua as his personal emissary, that he should lead the war. And Moshe Rabbeinu himself led the war in the spiritual sense through his davening, his hands were raised in faith until the evening er is dem ganzen tag even shor betanis that the entire day he was fasting when his gestanden be other proofs as mein bet fil and he was standing there the whole day with his hands spread forth upward to towards the heavens in davening when er durch dem gepeilt dem recovery is rolling through this he was a, he brought about the victory of the jewish people even that, that Moshe Rabbeinu did all this, in the end, Rashi says, it was Moshe that should have gone out to the war. And he should have been engaged in the battle, battle in the literal sense. That's the lesson. Even Moshe Rabbeinu in the end should have done it. And this is the lesson even to the greater the greats of the Jewish people. It's not enough to be spiritually involved, engaged in the war against Amalek in in the rest in the other generations, meaning besides for the actual war of Amalek. It's not enough, you cannot consider it and that you've done enough if you said a chapter of Tilim as the Eden Zolen Zichumken and to Yiddishkeit that the Jewish people, these Jewish people that are distanced from Yiddishkeit should come back to Yiddishkeit. That's not enough. Even though that's essential to say Tilim for them. And that is very, very important. That is, it, it accomplishes great things and so on. But it's not enough. It's also not enough that he should send out his students, his emissaries to go do the job. He has to go out and do the, do the work himself. 
Once he's noitik to make his of Eden and whatever has to be done, and vas is noitik, whatever is necessary to do in order to protect these Jewish people. And through this kind of conduct, as Megate, Nish, Mitchashbainas, that we don't make calculations and, and figure out what should I do, what shouldn't I do. Even those calculations may be based on holy approaches. In the when we approach the mission of wiping out the memory of Amalek, in the if the Jewish people will approach the mission of wiping out Amalek without calculations and considerations, then Hashem will approach the project of wiping out Amalek. Also, without any calculations and considerations and without limitations. Unin is medalagif and ketz, which means in this instance, the Rebbe says in his, as an example, that even though maybe the time of Mashiach, if it's possible at some point that it shouldn't, it's not yet the time, so Hashem will push it forward and He will go ahead with it even now, because never mind the calculation. It is the right time, not the right time. Let's just do it. The Jews are doing it without their calculations. I'll do it without my calculations. When bring the Geula Asid and he brings the final Geula about which it says that the, the name of Hashem will be full not only Yudke but Yudke Vavke and the, the, the seat of Hashem will be full, fully restored because over there it says case by Amalek is this case without kise without an aleph so the, the which means the throne of Hashem will be restored to its full glory the karamamish should happen immediately in our time <laughs>